Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine, your intrepid podcast host. And this is part two of my interview with Suzanne Stone, who for 38 years worked on Jeopardy. Now, if you missed part one, after you listen to this, go back and check that out. Suzanne, this week, shares the inner workings of this show that has really become part of the American lexicon. And she's a terrific guest. So here's part two, or Double Jeopardy, with Suzanne Stone, this week on Hollywood and Levine. Is it shocking to you guys when occasionally there'll be, uh, I saw one a few months ago uh, where they asked them to identify this celebrity. And it was Robert Redford. It was a picture of Robert Redford like in the Butch Cassidy years. Okay. And not one contestant even rang in. Yeah. I mean, you guys sit in the office and are going, come on, you idiots. (laughs) How can you not know that? Something like that. But yeah, Robert Redford, that was a shocker that uh, people did not recognize Robert Redford. So we learned something. Maybe a sociologist or a uh, pop culture expert will have to, you know, investigate further people's perceptions of celebrity. Now, when we watch at home, we have certain contestants that, uh, that we take a liking to and that we root for. You guys do that in the office too, or is it, are you just too professional to do anything like that? To be honest with you, I think Alex Trebek set the the standard. He wanted everyone to succeed, and so we've always been rooting for the ones that are the underdogs. But of course, when you have someone like Ken Jennings evolve or Matt Amodio or uh, our more recent contestant Ryan. You're just like, you want to see this person succeed, but you always wonder, is there somebody out there that's going to knock them down? Or, you know, is it, are they going to lose by a dollar? That's very possible. Are they going to flub up the double, je- the you know, the daily double? And uh, so, like I said, Alex set the standard that, you know, we have to be fair. We have to uh, root for everybody. And I mean that truly. He was the type of a guy 
He wanted everyone to enjoy the show and to uh, have a good experience being a contestant on the show. And he was always very encouraging. It has to be tough on contestants now because of social media that uh, they I'm sure they're not used to having strangers rip them because they don't like their outfit, you know, and, you know, like Matea, who was uh, a recent longtime champion, who I thought was darling and effervescent and really fun and everything. Oh, my God. People were just crushing her. Yeah. On, uh, on social media. Oh, I don't like the way she, she flops her hands around or I don't like uh, how she answered that question. And it, it's got to be so much tougher for contestants now than in the past because now you go on television and 200 people go, I hate her hairstyle. <laughs> she looks awful. It's got to be tough for them. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's get into the contestant process. Um, what is the contestant process? Well, uh, you know, my area was the actual game material. And so I was obviously friendly with the contestant coordinators and they're my friends to this day. But the process, as anyone who goes on the Jeopardy website knows, there's a pretest now that we can, that they, anytime people can take that. And then if they pass that, they can take a real contestant test and be considered for, uh, if they pass the test, to be considered as a contestant. So it's a process that happens with interviews, a test that I believe is still a 50-question test. And then if How many they, do you have to get right? Do you know? I believe, and because I, I don't know if things have changed, and it's always been something that you know, we had to stay away from knowing anything about. We don't know the names of the people who sure. are contestants and everything. But I think if they uh, get a 35 or above of the 50 clues, that's my understand was my understanding. And so uh, they get interviewed by the contestant coordinators. Sometimes, you know, they, people come to Los Angeles to be interviewed and tested. And other times the contestant coordinators pre-pandemic would uh, be traveling to different cities. And I believe now they do a lot of uh, the interviewing and testing online, but I'm not sure because obviously that's something that uh, that department knows. So yeah, they uh, take a test, uh, they are interviewed. Um, and someone like Ken Jennings, uh, you know, takes took the test, I believe 11 times over years to uh to try out and finally was chosen as a contestant and he made history yeah but a lot so of people are repeating he, he passed oh, yeah. the test though i assume i he, i assume he just didn't just didn't get past the screening process the test uh, res- the test scores are kept secret to my to my knowledge they kept secret i never knew the test you know the numbers on any of their contestants or anything the online tests must have many variations because yes. what's to stop somebody from just taking screenshots of all of the questions and then going back and finding out the answers and then signing in as somebody else <laughs> to take the I same don't know. test. I don't know how, <laughs> what the security situation is, but, uh, you know, that's their department. And, um, but yeah, there's the tests, change over the months and years 
and uh, you know they have a very strong security uh, situation because they don't want people to steal information, uh, you know, cheat. And, uh, but, you know, these things happen in game shows too, where over the years you've heard stories about people using other people's social security numbers. Sure. Uh, because there are rules depending on the standards and practice and the networks or, and the production companies, how many con- uh, games, game shows a person can compete in. And uh, obviously there's federal rules thanks to the 1950s game show scandals, which Robert Redford directed a movie about with mm-hmm. uh, quiz show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quiz show. Very good movie with uh, Rob Morrow. Uh, was that his name? Um, I can't remember his name. Hey, ah! I'm sorry. No, that's wrong. <laughs> but, uh, he was in, he was in Northern exposure. Yeah. And, it was Rob Morrow. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, a, and that's based on a real, Story, you know, that's real life. And in fact, Doris Rob Kern- Morrow Kern- for 400, Alex. Yeah, that's right. Uh, our one of our top American historians, Doris Kearns Goodwin, her husband, Dick Goodwin, is uh, was more or less the character that uh, that Rob played was someone who was involved in that uh, those 50 scandals. And so that's why to this day, there are strict rules and laws, federal laws regarding how uh, those shows can play. So uh, let's get into the actual production of the show. Sure. You shoot five shows a day. So when do you shoot those? How many, how many production days do you have a month? Um, Usually about three Weeks out of four, we'll tape two days out of five. So it's more or less 46 weeks, I believe, of taping, if I'm not mistaken. My math may be off, but what it is, a typical week in tape season, which runs from usually August through May, is Monday is, you know, day to last prepare prepare the five games for the next day. And then Tuesday would be your... At the office by 7.30 in the morning, Alex would be there at 6.30 in the morning already reading the games that were chosen by the Standards and Practice people, which is a third-party organization. There's various companies that do that, that pick the games blindly out of envelopes. Uh, So reading through five games, 11 o'clock, any changes are made from a, a morning meeting discussion with Alex and the producers and the head writers. And then 11 o'clock on the dot, start taping, usually finish in a half hour, the first game, a 10-minute turn around. Uh, after three games, there's a meal break where the staff, crew, everybody has a meal. And then you do two more shows. And if you're lucky, you're going to be out of the by quarter to five. And that's two days a week, usually Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It may have changed over the years. And uh, Thursday, Friday, those are days to uh, recuperate and also to just keep preparing the next batch of games. Ideally, in the past, uh, when we have our summer hiatus, uh, we try to have five. Uh, we have five days of work, but we get um, vacation days, of course. But a hundred games is the goal that our written and researched by the time we start taping in the 
August, early August. Oh, that so you do changed. your prep work. Yeah, you yeah. do your prep work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And over the years, uh, you know, sometimes, especially in those seasons where rock and roll Jeopardy would be in business or sports Jeopardy, uh, the people that was a smaller group within the group uh, working on those shows, it would slow down some of the production. I mean, the production of games. But then again, like I said, there's always a stockpile of evergreen categories, evergreen clues, and uh, to to create games or to patch up games, as we say, uh, build categories, things like that. But that's after you know, thankfully, so many years of production of Jeopardy. There is material like that available. And then there's always going to be new material, like with an election year or the Oscars or uh, when a big blockbuster movie happens or a star is born or something like that. You're going to have um, fresh material coming in. More with Suzanne in a moment. But right now, a word about honey. Today's episode is brought to you by Honey, and of course, faithful listeners of this podcast know that Honey is a free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best ones it finds to your cart. Now, the key word in that last sentence was free. It works very easily. You're shopping online. You get to the checkout page, and the Honey button just drops down, and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. You wait a couple of seconds. It does its thing, and then it finds the promo codes that apply, and you find the total that you have to pay goes down and down and down and down. I used it just last week, and I saved $21.52 on art supplies for my cartooning. It really does work, and like I said, it's free. So if you don't already have Honey, well, you could straight up be missing out on free savings. It is literally free. It installs in a few seconds. You notice I say the word free a lot because, you know, all these other things, you got to buy stuff. This is free. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and you'll be supporting this humble podcast. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Levine. Once again, that's joinhoney.com slash Levine. I'm not sure if I mention this or not in this uh, commercial, but it's free. Okay, now back to Suzanne Stone and more Jeopardy. You mentioned that there is a third party that selects the categories. Right. But a lot of times you'll have categories that, or at least the title of the categories, will kind of run into each other, you know, where there'll be like a, a phrase. Yeah, theme you know. or something, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that the theme will be, you know, um, you know, three men and then the next one and a baby. Correct. Okay, so those two categories both have to be in the same game. Right. So th- um, that's indicated, like, you got to do these two categories at the same it, it time. Evolves. and um, first off, uh, the third party is the the people that actually do the standards and practice overview of uh, choosing games and being present on the set while the shows are taping, and they help with judgment calls 
if there's any problems, that's a third party. But what happens is the writers or the head writers will come up with a phrase and say, can we do a wordplay, you know, over three categories? Um, Stephen Dorfman, like I mentioned, our, our late lamented uh, writer, Stephen Dorfman, he did a whole board and the word Napoleon appeared in each category. There's Napoleon, the famous emperor and warrior. There's Napoleon as in the dessert. There's Napoleon as in a literary character. There's several different ways you can play with that. Napoleon complex. Yeah, Yeah. Napoleon things. So he came up with a very clever board that it was kind of a hidden puzzle, you might say. He was great into puzzles and crosswords and wordplay and everything. So, you know, this could be a spontaneous outburst of creativity for one writer they come up with something and then they'll go to the head writer and say can i try this and they say sure you know and see what happens and see what uh, the rest of the writers and the producers see with the final product before it's taped or accepted as a game okay as for the contestants themselves so they, if they don't live in Los Angeles, have to fly out on their own dime, right? Right. And I guess they stay in a hotel, but they get reduced hotel rates. I have no idea. I know um, Ken Jennings talked about uh, staying in a hotel uh, near the Sony Studios. There's a lot of hotels and motels in that area because it is near LAX. And uh, the Tournament of Champions participants will have their their uh, travel expenses covered by the show. That's my understanding now. Uh, But yeah, if you're, it's on your dime. If you want to come out and be a contestant on Jeopardy and they tell you, we'd love to see you on whatever date, you know, you're going to be slated to be here in Culver city. uh, They, they, they do it. And they, I was told years ago by a contestant coordinator that it's the local people that are always late for the 8 a.m. call. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you know, they think they can beat the freeways or something like that. But the the out of towners will make sure that they're there because this is the turning point in their life and career to come and be a a contestant on Jeopardy. I understand that if you are a continuing champion like Ryan Long who was recently on the show and lived in Philadelphia. So if you shoot uh, a batch of shows and then there's going to be a a two-week hiatus before you shoot again and he flies back to Philadelphia, they will pay for the flight. I don't know. Back and forth. I don't know what the situation is. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I read where that started with Ken Jennings because Ken Jennings kept saying, you know what, this isn't worth it for me. To keep flying back and forth on my own time from Seattle. And I I think that sort of started that precedent. So you get a bunch of contestants show up at 8 o'clock in the morning. And at this point, I remember I was sitting once in the contestant uh, section. and, uh, And they're just kind of picked at random as to which game they're going to be slotted in. Right. I think so. I mean, like I said, I I have to be uh, I'm not in the the stage when the taping happens. I'm in the office watching on a monitor. But uh, that's that's 
may be the way. I know they come in with their garment bags or whatever of changes of clothes. How many changes of clothes? I think three. And the and the wardrobe people have scarves and sweaters and shirts and things like that. If since they're going to be if a champion keeps running, you know, each game and they're going to change their clothes. And of course, Johnny Gilbert, our great announcer, will tell the audience when we've had audiences that, okay, we're now on day two and everyone's changed their clothes and we're going to pretend that it's the next day. But, you know, it's just been 45 minutes. And uh, this is a, you know, a revelation for a lot of people who've never seen a tape uh, game shows taping. They have no idea. They think that, uh, in they fact, they come back every day. <laughs> they come back every day. And I would get phone calls from people saying, stop the show. Tell Alex that, you know, that, 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 that. And of course, they <laughs> were filmed two months and, ago. Yeah. That, and, and Alex is not doing a live show five nights a week, you know. Right. Uh, and you do, and you guys do get burned sometimes, and they have to like run something where uh, there was one something about the Ukraine, and and they put a crawl saying uh, this was filmed in January before the the yes. invasion. So yeah, things uh, like that do happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I imagine they do. Um, so if you're doing five shows and you're a champion. It seems to me that if you're going to beat a champion, probably the Thursday or Friday show is the time to to get them, because uh, yeah, they have to go through that pressure situation five straight times, and I'm sure they're a lot fresher for the Monday show than they are for the Friday show. Right, and then there's lunch, you know, at the commissary. And, uh, you know, the joke is, you know, don't eat a turkey sandwich or anything because you're going to be sleepy afterwards. But it is it's a grueling experience for these champs uh, to be on the top of their game. And it goes fast, but it's still it's very stressful. I've known uh, a lot of the contestants have said that to, uh, you know, reporters and to our own publicists that uh, it is it's. It is uh, an effort. And after the break for lunch and they eat, the contestants eat in separate tables than anyone else in the commissary that uh, is from the staff or crew. So, uh, you know, it is after lunch. You never know. I was sitting in that contestant section and uh, and they all had like fountain pens that they were using to like practice their buzzer skills. Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it, it is you need that practice. If you notice sometimes if you're watching the show and the camera pulls back from the stage, there is this row right up front, people sitting with monitors and all. Who right. are all of those people and what do they do? They're the producers and uh, the and also they're judging the show. And so on their monitors, they're seeing what uh, the board and they're also seeing the clues. And uh, so they're and they've got their notes to take, but they have to watch, you know, obviously they're closer to watching a monitor than how many feet away the actual stage. So they're all the producers. They're keeping track of anything in the way of um, 
judgment calls, uh, you know, also how people are betting, if uh, there's any technical problems, things like that. They're on, they're literally on the front line of, of everything. So the producers are there, they're, they're going to call the shots with the judgments. If there's a mistake or a misunderstanding or something like that. So, yeah. I was sitting, like I said, in that contestant section and looking over the shoulder of the person who had a monitor that recorded who buzzed in and when, you know, if they buzzed in too quickly or, you know, they buzzed in late. I was fascinated by that. I was like watching that more than I was actually watching (laughs) the show because that was fascinating to me, you know, because you don't know when somebody buzzes in, was he the only one buzzing in or did all three of them buzz in? Or is there one person who is just keeps buzzing in too early. I imagine when that happens during a break, someone comes out to them and says, hey, (laughs) you're jumping the the gun here. The contestant coordinators want everyone to be relaxed, ready to go, play the game, enjoy themselves. And if they are too nervous and they buzz in too soon, they lock themselves out. They're only becoming their own worst enemy. So someone, you know, and Ken Jennings talked about it a lot. He practiced at home for months with a ballpoint pen, uh, clickers or whatever, mm-hmm. and and was standing there, not sitting watching the show, but standing just as you would in the real taping to uh, replicate the experience. And he's, but he was better off for it. So uh, there is, uh, they they don't get to buzz in until the host finishes the question. Correct. But there is somebody sitting in that front row or whatever who unlocks the, um, you know, the buzzers. I guess the key is syncing up with that guy, <laughs> you know, and if that guy changes then you know then then you're sort of in trouble if if you kind of have the rhythm down where you sense his rhythm when he hits it versus the end of the host yeah um so that's that that's got to be a little weird when i was there i noticed that there were usually in each round three or four clues that Alex screwed up or mispronounced whatever and when they went to the commercial break uh, then Alex just redid them right. to, to make them perfect I was floored by the amount of concentration that was required to host that show to read those questions to keep the game moving to interact with with the contestants and all it seemed to me like you know that was so high pressure and yet when they went to the commercial breaks alex would go up to the front and answer questions from the audience right instead of going like okay all right give me three minutes you know is there an oxygen tent here uh you know uh, it was amazing to me how he would go and talk to the contestants and then they go, you know, 10 seconds and he'd walk back and 
lights up and there he goes. Amazing. He, uh, he did. He enjoyed talking to the audience. And of course, this happens with a lot. Same questions over and over again. His favorite movies. He was quite the movie buff of classic movies. Um, you know, uh, things they'd ask him about his hometown in uh, Canada. A lot of Canada uh, ask, questions. Yeah. yeah. And uh, very much a very proud Canadian. And um, but yeah, so he was he wanted to do that. And not all TV hosts do that. I certainly have seen in my own experience of being in an audience where uh, once the the little segments over, people walk away, light up a cigarette. They used to and ignore the public that's there to, you know, applaud. But not Alex. He really was out there to kid around with Johnny Gilbert. They were a great comedy team. And uh, a lot of the audience was so thrilled to talk to him and ask his question about his favorite movie, which was How Green Was My Valley? And uh, his favorite movie star was Basil Rathbone, things like that. So, uh, you know, he uh, he was so professional and such a good man. And uh, we miss him so much. And Johnny Gilbert, what, 96 <laughs> now? He may be uh, 96. Amazing. I don't know he, if he admits to anything, but we have uh, over the years tried to research his, uh, his true birth date and everything. And he is an amazing, positive attitude professional. And he does a great job with the show. And, uh, Yes, he's quite the announcer and uh, does a great job. Now, to me, one of the greatest jobs ever is to be one of those people on the Clue Crew. <laughs> those guys, they get to fly around the yeah. world and uh, do questions. I'm standing in Sweden here. Yeah. You know, this is Gustav, somebody. Uh, <laughs> what, what was he for? Um how many people apply for that job? Like 200,000? I don't know the exact number, but when uh, that was announced back in 2001, I believe, is when the Clue Crew started, there was a room full of videotapes, boxes and boxes of resumes, videotapes, things like that uh, for people applying for the job. And over the years, we've had, I don't know, Currently, uh, how many I'd have to think about it, how many people were in the clue crew over the years. But, uh, you know, so, you know, but, yeah, you always had those. I'm standing in front of, you know, Buckingham Palace or I'm flying a plane above, you know, whatever. And uh, adding to the show. Yeah. What a a good gig. Yeah, that was. Yeah. So you mentioned that show's when Alex was running them would end your, your taping day would end at around four o'clock. That was not the case though. When you had that series of guest hosts, that's my understanding. I wasn't there. I I was working at home because of the pandemic. So um, I knew that there were long tape days depending on, you know, it's a tougher job than people realize. Alex made it look so easy and it was so smoothly running all those years. So uh, here you have professional broadcasters coming in and doing the show, and it's it's tough. And so they were longer days. Yeah, and some of them were better than others. Uh, is the vibe different on the set 
when Ken Jennings is hosting versus Mayim Bialik? Um, I don't know since I wasn't there watching, but I know the people on the staff like both of them and are, you know, I think everyone was relieved that they both could share the podium after Alex's passing. But no, um, the vibe seems to be uh, equally divided. My friends and family tell me they like both of them. And I, you know, and I had, like I said, I have no idea who will be is who will be the final solo host. That's up to the executive producers and the people behind the scenes. But uh, as far as vibe, uh, I think both of them, uh, having seen both of them in action on their other shows and things like that, both professional, and they both obviously are used to hard work because it is hard work to do the to be a host on a game show. Okay, final question. You had four super champions this year. Is that a fluke or do you think there's some reason for that? I think it's a fluke. Um, after all the years, uh, you know, in 84, starting the show, and it wasn't until 2004, 20 years later that Ken Jennings showed up. And by that time, the rule had changed about not retiring a champ after five uh, episodes. Mm -hmm. And then to have him for many, many years be the reigning champion for uh, longevity. And then to finally have someone like James Holtzhauer and and the other champs that came afterwards, Matt Amodio and Amy Schneider. Um, I don't know if it has to do with the internet and, you know, casting a wider net to get contestants or the fact that Jeopardy is part of our American culture and more people, you know, it's embedded in our, in our lives that say, Hey kid, you want to be a Jeopardy champion? You got to start now. And, you know, 10 years later, these kids are out there ready to go and, and play the the game in real life. Um, it is amazing how we've gotten these super champions, but, uh, and I'm sure there's a graph somewhere somebody's made of, of how uh, from 84 to now 2024, uh, 2022, um, where, you know, these people stack up and how it happened. Maybe it's something in the water or the pollution or global warming. I have no idea. You know, it's the Alex Trebek stage. That's yes. the difference. It's the yes. Alex Trebek maybe stage. He hovers around. I, maybe he, uh, his name certainly is, is mentioned every day and, uh, his career, uh, you know, he was obviously a broadcaster for many, many years, starting in his 20s in Canada. But he came to the States in 73 and started with game shows and and everything. And, and uh, I told him I thought he would write a different kind of an autobiography. But by the time his illness came and he wanted to really have a legacy of um, advice and wisdom and things. And, you know, he had a, a long life, very successful, and he gave back to everybody. And to this day, I think Jeopardy wants to continue that, um, that legacy. Well, it certainly has become part of the American fabric. Yes. Um, and it's one of our few remaining shared experiences. Yes. That everybody will watch the show in real time because they want to know whether or not 
Ryan Long is going to survive right. another day and, and that sort of thing. Suzanne, right. this has been great. Thank you so Thank much. You. We My don't pleasure. have any parting gifts for you. Oh. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I do have an old Merv Griffin album. That, oh boy! Uh, yeah, I, I, can I have uh, come, some rice aroni, I think, in my kitchen, but it's not from Jeopardy. And uh, but uh, yeah, this has been great, and um, I'm I'm glad I could help clarify a few things. But uh, you know, the mysterious world of game shows, uh, it, there is a lot of security involved in creating a show like this, and of course, there'll be other game shows coming. But Jeopardy established such a standard and I was very fortunate to be part of it. Yeah. It's a show for smart people. Yay! And we're, we're in a world with so many dumb fucks that it's <laughs> lovely to have a show for smart people. Thank you, Suzanne. You're welcome. There you go. Now you know all there is to know about Jeopardy. Our thanks to Suzanne Stone, also to uh, Adam and Susie Meister Butler along with John Wilford, Howard Hoffman, Bruce and Jason Miller. My email address, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I am on Instagram. I can't believe you're not following me yet on Instagram. Come on, I showcase my cartoons. Hollywood and Levine, Instagram. I want to get 2 million people by the end of the month. And I have, I think, 1,200 now. So um, I need to ask you people to step it up a little bit. Uh, also, I'm on uh, Twitter, at Ken Levine. Okay, uh, that'll do it for this week. We will see you next week, right here on... Hollywood and Levine. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home... Yes, cool. ...or attending one live... You can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.